Welcome to the Run Uni podcast and today on episode two I'm delighted to welcome Andy Bryant to the show to talk about foot health and how to restore your feet by getting out of shoes and building barefoot spring strength and resilience. Now before anybody switches off thinking that this episode is for barefoot runners or those strange looking folk running around in vibrant five fingers, it's not. Having strong, mobile, bouncy, resilient feet should be a priority of every runner no matter what shoe you run in and what surface you run on and whatever your technique is. Better feet could be the extra 1% or 2% you need to get faster or go further, or even that extra 20% you need to get out of pain and expensive orthotics. I've known Andy since 2019 when we were both on the inaugural Foot Nerd program from the Foot Collective. Now, Andy is a bit of a unicorn when talking about running and foot health. He's got a special set of skills and experience that not a lot of people have. He's a traditional podiatrist with over 20 years experience, I think, who's decided to go somewhat against the norm and started promoting how to naturally look after your feet and your ankles and your alignment rather than opting for those you know, expensive orthotics and supportive shoes and everything that goes with it. And he's also a talented runner and athlete. Um, he recently knocked out a barefoot nasal breathing 5K in under 19 minutes. So he knows what he's talking about. He, he lives his work for his work and he loves his work. And this particular experience um, makes him one of the most trustworthy and level-headed sources of advice and information on the subject of food health. So I am delighted he joins us today. So here we go. Listen in and enjoy Andy Bryant, natural podiatrist on the Run Uni podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Running School Austria Balance Beams. Running is 100% a single leg activity, so having badass balance is of vital importance to staying injury-free, strong and fast. Check out www.runningschool.at forward slash shop for more information. So, to get started, hello. Andy, right, <laughs> natural podiatrist over in Melbourne, Australia. Thank you for coming on the, the podcast for this point. Thanks for having me. No, I really appreciate it. Um, so we first became aware of each other through the Foot Nerd program. We were the, yeah. the first group of Foot Nerds for the, from the, um, the Foot Collective. Um, and we, we kept in touch here and there with a few questions I had um, and you you sent a few people my way to ask about my experience um, and I thought you'd be a perfect person to get on to talk about foot health yeah of in in runners in people but runners is is is, is the focus um, yeah. yeah again thank you for coming on um, so Andy can you tell us a little bit about yourself first of all um, I'm, I'm a podiatrist here in Melbourne, Australia. I've been working for just over 20 years now um, and was more in a traditional practice for 15 years and just over the last five or six years, um, leaning towards more natural foot health, um, minimalist shoes, um, barefoot running. And that has coincided with my own um, return to running. I was a, a national level runner up till I was like 20, 21. And then probably overtrained and got injured and became a cyclist, as a lot of runners do, um, and did that quite well for many years. And then um, had a series of accidents that knocked my head. And so I couldn't ride anymore for a while. So I got back to running and the same old injuries came back. And that's what really started me looking into um, running in a different way or worrying about how I was running, the shoes I was wearing, um, other forms of training to help my running. And um, my professional life followed my um, personal journey. And so I've now started, I've just come back from a, a running lesson out on an oval here in um, Melbourne. Yeah. Great. As in, I gave it, I gave the lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, that kind of follows my own. And I think a lot of people that have moved or switched, switched lane, not switched lanes, taken another lane <laughs> yeah. with the profession. Um, I, I actually started with back injury. I was running. I was a rugby player, not high level. Um, thought I was high level, but I wasn't. Um, I had a back injury, um, which actually, you know, rugby, a rugby game, I got squashed effectively at the bottom of a ruck. Um, yeah. and I thought, oh, that wasn't good. And then 
in the week afterwards, we realized I had a, a big uh, protrusion in my disc. Um, but uh, yeah, so that aside, what we actually, the problem was, I was moving really, really poorly for a long time um, yeah. because I'd been away traveling and, and doing a lot of sitting and traveling and yeah, not doing very much for a year. So then I got into running technique and and how I was running, how I was moving, and that was wonderful. But there was a there was a bit missing, which was the feet. Um, the the running school we don't really talk too much about feet, almost because it's too big a subject to be um, to be talking about. But for me, I was like, ah, so many people can't do what I'm asking them because their feet and their ankles are awful. Um, and I just remember, I always remember one one customer, one client in particular. I was I was trying to get them to, to just align their legs. So just get a bit of torque and a bit of external rotation just to get out of a valgus position. Yeah. And their just foot kept on coming off the floor, the big toe. And yeah. I'm like, so this is not, this is a foot problem. Their, their hip doesn't work. It's a foot problem. I can't, their, their foot literally can't get in that position. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got um, orthotics. And I'm like, all right, yeah, but there's gotta be a better way than this. <laughs> your foot can't get into that position so that's that's how i came across the the foot collective purely because yeah. i was like come on there's a better way of of fixing your getting you in, into a better position yeah uh, so that's how i started going into feet and as luck would have it i started getting injuries in my feet <laughs> at the very same time but i think it might be because i started wearing barefoot shoes and it just made me more aware of my feet and it made me really realize how weak my feet were. Um, yeah. so it almost made me feel already what I was maybe gonna feel in 10 years time. Yeah. It was maybe too late, not too late, but you know, arthritis and yeah. set in. So, um, and so that's what made me really go hell for leather down this, down this foot nerd path and this barefoot health and things. And it was, and it, it's been a, a big eye opener for me. Um, and yeah. imagine what it was like for you professionally. Yeah, huge because, well, I had my own little orthotic lab. We made our own orthotics. It was our go-to treatment. Yeah. Like we might give some calf stretches, yeah. um, which I don't even give anymore, really. Yeah. Um, that was like the, the limit to my um, exercise physiology part yeah. of the treatment. You know, there was no, it was just like a given that you would just support the foot. And then when it didn't, um, wasn't enough you just give it more support and you'll just leave it there forever and that was just what we did you know we didn't question it and we didn't question the shoe either and yeah. so like my passion now is to question the shoe yeah. and and have podiatrists say okay what's all this shoe doing for this person you know yeah. like how is this contributing to the problem and it doesn't have to be running it can be um you, you don't have to not take you you don't have to change your runners you can just change the shoes you wear every day that's far more powerful than changing your runners. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a, uh, you know, there's a disconnect in runners because they think way too much about the shoe that they run in yeah. and not what they wear the rest of the time. But also I, I see it a lot because I work primarily with runners that as soon as you start to mention not even barefoot running, barefoot health, or you want to get them barefoot, you get this almost like, Glaze. <laughs> the eyes is like I'm not going to be a barefoot runner. I've done a few posts about just foot health. Yeah, and you get some comments from us. Yeah, but you can't run 120k a a, a week in barefoot runners. I was like, nowhere in this post said anything about running. This is just shooting. <laughs> yeah, and but, so I'm lucky now as a podiatrist, I um, attract people that want the barefoot stuff, but I also still have. Um, clients that don't and so um, it's just a longer story for them to hear like more education and um, and but they're also hearing it straight from um, my mouth mm -hmm. and um, making sure they understand that it's not always just about it's not about changing your running shoe yeah. it might be about changing your running technique and your daily shoe mm -hmm. you know but it, you don't have to change your running shoe it's more about the other stuff yeah. but yeah I'm lucky that my clients are most of them are coming to see me now because I specialize. Not that I specialize. I'm just more specialized in it than, than any other podiatrist because no one else is doing it really here in Melbourne. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you now have it's the it's the Melbourne soft uh, 
natural podiatry. Yeah, well, I just named it that so that I could, um, so that I people would understand because I have this vision for podiatrists to choose which way they want to go or yeah. at least understand that when someone comes in and wants to follow this path, because there are a lot of people that want to follow this path, that and most podiatrists say, no, you can't do that. You need support. I just want podiatrists to be able to um, understand that there is a different way yeah. and to help someone with that, whether that means referring them off to someone like me or mm -hmm. um, understanding that the principles behind strength and conditioning do relate to the foot and you can do that for the foot and um, it is a way. So I, I just that's why I changed the name of my clinic because I think it would be good if there was a series of natural podiatrists that um, got recognised as a different way to the podiatrist down the road. For sure. Yeah. For sure. yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I worked in a clinic in Scotland um, and there was just two of us, physiotherapy and podiatry. Yeah. And I kind of followed him. I sat on my feet. People had specific foot problems. I'd be like, go see him. <laughs> yeah. And it, they would just have orthotics they would just be given orthotics and so you know i feel really bad now because so some of those people that i i now could have helped i guess you'd be yeah. the same. Ah, yeah. You yeah. these clients you're like man so the best thing is when people come back and i had a girl today that i put in orthotics she's 17 now she's been in orthotics since 13 and her mum's like oh she's grown out of them and i'm i'm like well she hasn't her foot hadn't actually grown but does she really need them anymore like why did we do this in the first place um, and what, what are your symptoms now? Oh, you don't have any symptoms. Well, how about you do, you know, like, and they were just like, wow. And if you have a position of trust, which I, I, I do in that situation, um, it's a really nice feeling to say, look, you don't need this anymore. And, you know, they're just paying for a consultation rather than a whole new pair of orthotics. And it's, um, and, and you're giving them a program that's going to give them better long-term outcomes for their feet. So um, it, it's, it's not all over. But I did change practice, so I have lost contact with a lot of my orthotic patients because I went out on my own. Yeah. Um, but there's still, um, I have that every couple of weeks where an old orthotic patient comes back and I um, either, um, I explain to them that it's not necessary that they be in it forever if they're willing to put in the work. It's yeah. not like there's a one way or the other. Um, you can you can still go that way, but you, there is more work involved in looking after your feet. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing, you have to kind of gauge, I guess, who and maybe not who, but how much you you don't want to say push or impress the idea, no. or do you, how how do you how do you manage how do you manage that? Um, so most people that I see um, come highly motivated to be in minimal shoes or barefoot run or, um, and, and so that's the easy bit. Then I just can give them it all, and then the other people like that because their osteo sent me or their physio sent me because they osteo or physio knows how I work. So they have, this client is coming to me with no idea about natural podiatry or the way to, for it. So then I, it's all about education really yeah. um, and getting them in maybe a shoe that is not fully minimalist, but closer to minimal, like closer to letting their foot function naturally. Mm -hmm. So starting that change, educating them as to why they're changing and just letting that sink in for a while, starting them with some really, basic stuff that just gets things started and that's often um, enough to see some change in their injury or pain or function and I really try and focus on function as well more than pain and um and so then it's just you know it's how how much they take from it they might um, come back in two weeks time with lots of questions and be really on board or still need a bit more of a nudge or just need their hand held a bit more you know like so it just it's dependent on different people but i'd say education is the key in yeah. that sense and yeah. so and how do you, and what would you say so i know i say to my my clients because i get a lot of clients with a lot of shoes um, yeah. so i i i can't and won't push barefoot running on anybody um yeah, good. but I do say to people, if you're a good runner, if you have good technique, you could run barefoot for a kilometer or so, and it won't drastically affect your technique, and also you won't fall apart. Yeah. And this, this, is the, this is what I say to people, because I, some people will take that, oh, yeah, okay, the barefoot side of it, but some people say, nah, it's a bit, bit too different. But if they, say, if they see barefoot running as, oh, this is a, this is a demonstration of my strength and technique, and my ability as a runner. Then, okay, then then they're on board because you know yeah. we have we have one test um, um, on our on our on our 
testing mat where we we just get them to take a just a spring-like step forward and you know nobody wants to land on their heel and i was right. like on your heel i said i'm gonna land on my heel and you're like yeah exactly <laughs> because it's not a good shock absorber um, but then i say ah, but it, then i get my pain somewhere else I said, oh, geez okay so well wow, i wonder why well, you're not strong enough really <laughs> yeah really interesting um, so before I digress too far too early, um, so what do you what do you say to your runners? Um, first consultation, maybe they they've never heard about barefoot running. So what what do you say about barefoot health, or what do you say about foot health? Let's not call it barefoot health. Foot health, um, and and the condition of their feet and, and shoes. What's what's the kind of the important points that you you describe or explain first for clients who are you know, like most of the people that i see are have injuries or you know or are trying to transition to minimal shoes but if we're talking about injured runners for, for example or injured athletes that have a sport that includes running mm -hmm. um i, I uh, most again you know i'm being general are either weak in the foot or the calf and so this weakness doesn't just appear it comes from somewhere and so i explained to them that if we're wearing stiff shoes um and heeled shoes then our um it's like if we have a cast on our arm for any period of time or a, a brace on our neck or bracing any part of our body then um those muscles and joints won't be functioning as well as they could and uh and and maybe at a disadvantage because of that yeah. So that, that's how I would explain it in very positive terms, you know, like not trying to be negative about weaknesses and things like this, but I'm um, trying to point out that the shoot that the environment that their foot is in may not be um, the ultimate for their foot strength. And if foot strength is part of why they're injured, then that's something we have to look at, you know, yeah. and there are, and then I would tr um, go on to say that there are exercises we can do, but we can also make changes to our footwear that mean you probably don't have to do so many exercises just because your foot is doing some work all the time you know and and so it goes is yeah. that does that answer that yeah i don't know for sure so you so you, you you go very broad in not broad yes and just explaining why uh, yeah and and obviously you say someone's got heel pain plantar fascia issues they come in saying they've got plantar fasciitis well i explain what that is and whether that could be what they have mm -hmm. and what else it could be and what um the research is telling us in terms of um intrinsic foot strength when it comes to heel pain um, and, you know, like I, I just take people through the reasoning behind why they, like I educate people as to why they have um, a condition and then um, offer different levels of help in terms of like, you can do these exercises or mm -hmm. you can, you know, to go the whole hog or it, it depends on where people are at, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I think what people need to understand is that, or not understand that they know this, you know, running, 100% a single leg activity and yeah. it's the first thing that contacts the ground it's also the last thing that contacts the ground so it needs yeah. to have a level of shock absorption and also yeah. you know strength to be able to to take the take the weight of that that, yeah. that force um, we've we we've seen studies with you know the impact of landing when you have a terrible landing like a really yeah. terrible, and it can be up near six seven times your body weight when you're sprinting yeah. Or with a mad overstride and if you're landing on actually it doesn't matter what you're landing on if it's your heel or your toes that's a lot of force to, yeah. to absorb um so your foot needs to be strong and mobile yeah. to be able to just to, to to take that load um and a lot of people you know i work also with elite athletes and you get them to take their shoes off and you're like geez okay they are gnarly already <laughs> And you ask them to lift their toe up or lift their other toes up, just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and I explain in that situation, like if I wanted to strengthen my bicep and I couldn't move my arm, it'd be really hard to strengthen my bicep. And so if we're going to, if we can't even move our feet, mm -hmm. if they don't have their ability to move the joints that are within them, um, then how are we going to strengthen them? Or what is it saying about the strength in that part of their foot, you know? So these are the little things. And, and like you just mentioned, um, our foot needs to be a really good mobile adapter or a shock absorber. And a I guess a lot of the people, like again, a high percentage are really good at that. And so I talk about how well they absorb shock and how well they accept the ground. But 
I think the big struggle with a lot of um, runners and people in general is um, going from that mobile adapter or um, shock absorber to being that rigid lever, that ability to push off through their foot. And I think a lot of our modern shoes and orthotics do it for you to some extent. And so I don't think that's a coincidence, you know, like shoes have a stiff sole, especially our modern runners, our, um, you know, super runners, they've got a stiff sole that's kind of doing all the work for you. And they've got a toe spring that helps you push off. And so if the shoes and an orthotic is basically making your foot into a rigid lever. Mm -hmm. So if the shoe or the orthotic is doing it for you, then your foot doesn't have to do it. And that's going to have some consequences, whether that be in the foot or further up the chain. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be quite interesting in the next, I don't know how many years it's going to take yeah. with these new, the carbon shoes. Yeah. Um, as they become more mainstream, maybe cheaper and more people are using them. I'm really not interested. I hope there's nothing that happens, but yeah. what it's going to bring, what the injuries are going to, we're going to start to see uh, because, you know, we talk about shoes in general, running shoes, doing too much in terms of stability, st support stability, and also shock absorption. Yeah. How that weakens the ability of the foot to do both those things. And now mm. with carbon, we've got, you know, less, uh, someone can get used to using the spring that this car yeah. affords you. So we might see weaker and weaker and weaker injury yeah. um, for, for people. So I, I'm, yeah, I think it's, you know, the one debate is, you know, in terms of performance, but the other debate for me will be in a few years when we can see, wow, these guys are getting really weak and they can't now can't run very well without them. Yeah. Which, which makes and me an issue. Yeah, and it's hard when there's um, the elite athletes are using them, but they're also ticking all the boxes in terms of um, their overall strength and cross-training and, and looking after all those things when they're elite athletes. Um, but if um, Joe Blow, who runs 50 kilometres a week or 50 miles a week or whatever, is in them all the time, I think that's when we're going to see trouble because it's like um, when I used to race my push bike, I'd have my race bike and mm -hmm. it, was a, it was light and fast and it would it would help me go fast in a race, but on the day to day, I trained on something that actually probably made it harder, you know, yeah. and I got a better training effect out of it. And I think um, those shoes can be used in a similar way. And the other analogy that I would use would be, they can be used similar to a lifting shoe to help like an Olympic lifter um, perform a squat. It doesn't mean he wears that shoe all the time. No. Um, you might see them um, training barefoot using the strength of their foot, but then competing in, um, in a lifting shoe and I think so those shoes definitely have a place but I don't know that they're there for everyday training yeah or for walking around the shops in or going to the gym in <laughs> that's, that's the thing if we're, we can just bring it back to again everyone and the all things we're wearing all day yeah people wearing you know trainers all day every day with a big soft high heel with a toe spring with which with yeah. our sport all day every day and yeah. And so they're they're just using all that all that damn phone. Keep thinking German speak, uh, <laughs> cushioning, <laughs> yeah. um, all day every day. And I, I think that's as as big a problem. Um, and I so I work with, a lot with chip, with kids. Yeah. And they come in and um, most of them will actually a lot of them will happily run barefoot, and a lot of them are footballers, and they have the 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 indoor football shoes, which are actually very flat. And, yeah. And a little bit a little bit tapered yeah. toes but you know I'm, I'm happy with that and then when yeah. I go inside and see what they're wearing when they came in they're just Nike yeah. but I was <laughs> amazed how how willing a lot of them are to change yeah um because they want to be as good footballers as possible and the way I spin it is you know we want your feet to be as good as possible as fast as possible um and if you're in these just soft shoes all day, it's, 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 it's causing problems. Yeah. We, we have a fast feet drill that we do to test for coordination and um, just see how, how fast your feet can go just in and out of a box very quickly. And it's really interesting to get them to put on their, their soft Nike air shoes and how slow that makes them compared, uh, yeah. compared to being barefoot. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's so funny to watch. And, and they're like, wow, I'm just so slow now. <laughs> and the parents yeah. are just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, my son was playing basketball when he, he's 12 now. So he play, probably played from when he was eight to 11. And um, it, he would be in his um, minimalist shoes, bounce, like sprinting 
turning mm. up and down the court. And then most kids are in their heavy basketball shoes. Like they're heavy shoes and exactly what you just described. It's like chalk and cheese yeah. um, uh, in terms of seeing someone who's nimble and able compared mm. to a child with a heavy shoe on their foot that's making them far less nimble and able. Exactly. And obviously there's a fair bit of um, just natural talent in there as well, ability to run like that. But um, it was really obvious because <laughs> one kid in hardly any shoe and, and he started, he, we didn't have minimalist shoes to start with. And he had a pair of Converse Chuck Taylors, which are very quite minimalist except for the pointy toe. And that's what he was playing basketball in. And people were like the other kids were like, what are you wearing them in them for? But like 40 years ago, that was the basketball shoe. Exactly. It was only when Jordan came along and Nike started putting running shoes into a basketball shoe yeah. that um that they started getting chunky you know so anyway yeah because it's so that, well, that brings me neatly on to a point about uh the design of shoes actually because i often think about this because people question it all the time and like we say it's more about what you're wearing all day yeah as opposed to the running shoes and i guess we could almost say that these designers are probably thinking more about, of, of running shoes, are probably thinking way more about foot health than actually, you know, your cheap, your work shoes and your cheap, uh, cheaper sort of running shoes that are just for, you know, for wearing. We have a, we have a shop called Deichmann, um, which has just got, it's kind of a cheap um, shoe store. Yeah. It's all over Europe, actually. And, Every single pair of shoes in there are really just tapered for the toes. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's almost like it starts with the, 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 the trainers, okay, because yeah. they're just, and they have this form. And then it comes around. And then all the, the shoes that everybody's wearing, you know, the cheaper ones or the, the daily shoes, or now they've got the same form. So now everybody's feet are the shape. So then yeah. To the the trainers and like oh everybody foots that shape so we make the shoes like that and it's like yeah. what, uh, how 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 does the how does the industry change yeah <laughs> and, and it's also an industry the running industry where they have to keep selling a new model and I laugh every time I see any ad that is advertising um, the latest greatest thing and I'm like how many ways can a sh can you reinvent running like how can how can you reinvent running so many ways just through a shoe so you can sell another pair of shoes, you know, like it's just, um, it is an issue. And I, I generally don't go to um, shops really at all, but I did on the weekend. I went to the shops with my wife and it's like a once a year, um, you know, expedition. And I took myself into the various shoe stores. Um, at, there's one called Athletes Foot here. And there is, it's just, I guess my world um, is, is a, surrounded by people wearing minimalist shoes. So then when I go to a place like that and then go to a store like that and seeing how they've got all the latest and greatest maximalist shoes and that's all. And there's the kids section and it's just a whole um, range of maximalist shoes there as well. And, and then there's the gym training session and they're still all maximalist. And I, I, so I was just like wandering around the store um, and it's kind of blows me away. There's a long way to go. <laughs> and this is, it is. yeah. However, it's it's amazing here how you know minimalist shoes spreads. Um, when I first came here to 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 where I live here in Austria, and um, yeah. you know I was barefooty, um, and you know the clinic where I, where I work, nobody really thought about it, but a lot of them have now got Viva barefoots. They're wearing wildly. Yeah. You heard of those? Yeah. Yeah, know. yeah, I wear them. Yeah, I've got them. I wear them here. <laughs> over there. Um, and most of the physios, I mean, we're all barefoot inside anyway, but it's it grows very quickly, actually. Um, so yeah. hopefully, hopefully with time and, and education. But, uh, yeah. I think it's worth talking about um that running boom of the of, of minimal shoes in 20 around 2010 because of the book Born to Run and how it went wrong because um, you know, Vibram got uh, said their shoes were healthier people got injured because they weren't educated properly enough i'm just doing like a summary for people and then there's a lawsuit lawsuit brought against um vibram with their five fingers and they chose to pay it out mm -hmm. um, rather than go to court and so that put a real sour taste to a lot of um 
um, minimal, minimalist shoes because Nike had started making a shoe. I think there was an Adidas five fingers shoe at one point as well. So they'd started looking into it. And I think from that, some of the companies decided to go maximalist and look into that rocker bottom sole and a, a shoe that was actually wobbly because that was supposedly going to make your foot work harder while it was getting used to being wobbly. And that's pretty much what we've got now with Hocker and these types of shoes. I, I think this time around though, um, like I remember people coming to see me there that time around and I, and me saying, oh no, you can't strengthen the foot. No, you can't run like that. You need cushioning, you know, like all the things, like I, I clearly remember saying that. Um, and it hurts me to admit it, but I do. Anyway, anyway because that's all we knew. Like it's, if that's all you know, then you can't know better. But if you do know better, if someone's putting something else out there, it's then your kind of responsibility to go, okay, I'll look into this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now there's physios, there's osteopaths, there's a few podiatrists that are on board with this and are sensible about it. They're, they're helping people transition. They're saying to use it in a way to help your technique, to help your foot strength, you know? Like, um, and, and so I think this time around, it has far more chance of making a difference because we're just doing it sensibly. Exactly. Um, there's the whole movement movement. People are into moving well and not just thrashing themselves in the aerobic studio or, or trying to, you know, run a marathon for the sake of it. They're into feeling better and moving well. And I think this ties in well with it. And um, so I think there is more chance of it being successful this time around or having a better effect. I think so. Yeah. And I think that because it was the, the first time that it was, shown to the masses for that barefoot running was people just fixated on the shoe and on the sandal yeah. which the book talks yeah. about a lot in the sandal but you know what what it missed was you know when someone's running like that from when they're a child they run well you know yeah. they don't overstride they don't land underneath them they're not sitting all day on on chairs you know so yeah. they have the ability to to do this wonderful leg cycle wonderful run when they're running fast and when they're slow they're just jogging you know they just got a lovely just elastic strength in the feet and, and yeah. but what people thought was the shoe let's change the shoe i remember <laughs> vividly my first weekend down doing my uh, running technique specialist course down in london and i stayed at an airbnb and the guy who was the host he was just really <laughs> kind of a i'll call him a bullshit english chap I was like, oh, yeah, oh yeah, I like running. And uh, yeah, are you, are you, are you, are you four foot? And I was like, what are you, what? Is you a four foot runner? He's like, um, well, you know, middle foot, but yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm four foot. Have you read Born to Run? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I read Born to Run. Oh, my back pain's completely disappeared. And I was like, well, actually, you've been doing it for two years now. No back pain at all. I can only run about a mile because then my cat really gets sore. And I was like, he just moved his pain to somewhere else. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, often when I'm teaching someone to run, we take our shoes off when we're at an oval and going through drills. Um, and because I think to learn how to, to change your technique, it's handy to have the feedback from the ground. And so um, and often there's someone else running around the oval in a big chunky shoe and they're, you know, generally just walking quickly they have that um, style of running, just a fast walk, you know, there's not much of a floating period in between and there's not that cyclic thing we like to see. But tonight, it was almost like I'd paid this guy. There was a guy in minimal shoes and that's pretty rare around here. Like you, you still go, oh, wow, there's someone else in minimal shoes. Yeah. Um, and, and he was like obviously four foot striking because he, and it was obvious that he was wearing these shoes and thinking, oh, I'm wearing these shoes, so therefore I have to forfeit strike. Yeah. Um, and he was still overstriding with that forfeit strike. And so I said to the guy that I was um, teaching, you know, I haven't paid this guy, but, but this is a great example of the way your foot lands is a, or the way I explain it is more of a, um, a product of good form rather than something that we should be cueing because look, he's thinking that running on his forefoot is better, but really the, the way he's running is a quick, a quick way to get a forefoot stretch fracture, you know, like, and, and if we're accelerating, maybe you'll be up on more on your toes. And if we're decelerating, we'll be further in mm. back in, you know, towards the back of our foot. And if we're going up a hill, we'll be back on our toes. You know, there's so many different variables um, with, that change the way our foot hits the ground that we shouldn't be really cueing. I don't think we should be cueing what our foot's doing. We should be cueing what the rest of our body's doing and our foot is a product of that. Anyway, so I just thought it was, it was amazing today that that guy was there doing that for me. <laughs> yeah, nah, and I, you know, I see uh, forefoot runners, I see, see heel striker runners, 
and you know there's just as many problems and you but you can see in their eyes you can see in their form that they're trying to land forefoot they've been told yeah. they've heard it yeah. and i'm like oh okay and it is it's like it's just as disruptive if some yeah. i think as soon as you start thinking about the foot you you generate this tension yeah um, and you want your i say it to everybody from the knee down you don't need to think about anything when you're running yeah. just just let it flow it's very clever it's, you don't need to think about it it's doing what yeah. it can do as soon as you start thinking about it that's that's when problems come mm-hmm. now when after my first surgery on my ankle I had a bone spur um not yeah. three bone spurs <laughs> um you know this was that was january february 2020 and then in you know november 2020 i was walking i was like I'm still struggling and we were out for a walk and i was like oh, my ankle's sore my my wife just said oh just stop thinking about it because i'd literally spent two years thinking about my feet thinking yeah. about, thinking about my ankle because it was sore every day every yeah. step and I was like, oh, okay, I really tried, shook it off and just stopped thinking. And I suddenly realized that I was trying, I was just trying to create a strong arch with every step, just lightly. I was just trying to hold something. And I just actively stopped. And I was like, ah, pain's gone. <laughs> it was amazing. It was just this yeah. annoying pain, but I was just generating this, this tension. Yeah. I was thinking too much about my, about my foot. And I was just Yeah. I wasn't running at the time, but it was it was a real eye opener to wow. Just I didn't even notice I was doing it until I really thought that I was I was actually doing it. And then and the running and you go on. Sorry. No, no, and, and it's the same with these people who are, who are thinking about forefoot. They're trying to run forefoot. Their whole technique changes. Yeah. Because they're they're doing this this forefoot thing. Some of them are very tight up up top. Um, some of them are kind of really kind of leaning forward or leaning back, and you can just see in their whole posture that their the body's trying to land forefoot, and it just changes everything that the body's doing. Yeah, and and in that not thinking about what our feet or calf is doing, it's it's uh, almost like an energy system of its own. <laughs> in that it accepts energy and releases it in a very short period of time. And if the foot is on the ground for any longer, and I don't know the numbers, I can never remember them, um, for any longer than a certain amount of time, then you lose the ability to have that spring. And so if we're thinking about what our foot's doing, and then we're not allowing it to have that spring that is um, so critical to endurance running especially, but sprinting as well, but um, to to have that repeat cycle of energy through Mm -hmm. our calves and feet, those muscles that is made to be going on off, on off, on off, on off so just, quickly. Just yeah. that elasticity that's that that's not really costing anything. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I, I often get people to say, okay, just just spring up and down, and say that's really easy. It's like, yeah, it's no problem. I said, now just go up and down, but just stop at the bottom for just a second. And it's so much more difficult to just have that little beat at yeah. the bottom because it takes it's so much more uh, energy. energy efficient. Yeah. And that's that natural just springiness that, that we should all yeah. have, that we lose because yeah. we've been wearing the wrong shoes for so long or we've been just doing not very much exercise for yeah. far, far too long. Yeah, when you run on a cushion for long enough, your foot just is like sinking into, into something squishy, which is why you then need a carbon plate to replace that spring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. And it's also why there's such big, you know, big in terms of what they're talking about variability in how many percent mm. these new carbon shoes give, give uh benefit how, how big the benefit is for these people because the technique and 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 the ability of the individual foot is is very different from from person to person um, yeah so for some people it's going to be really awesome because they actually get to use it but for others i've had some mm. say that it's actually the they felt terrible afterwards. Like they're really quads that start to burn, and because yeah. the spring comes too quickly, so their their knee yeah. and their quad just has to almost uh, react to to cushion this this spring that they're not expecting. Yeah, um, so yeah it doesn't they- time in with their running. I um I, I look after Sonia O'Sullivan, who's an amazing runner and has a very springy technique. Yeah, and she, she tells me that. 25 minute park runners become 23 minute park runners in these shoes. Like it does make mm-hmm. a, a difference to a lot of runners, you know, 
she also tells me that when she's running in it, um, some, it's like someone's pushing her in the small of the back, like someone's giving her a push forward. Really? Like that's the feeling yeah. that she gets. And you can imagine her technique in your mind. Yeah. It's quite a pro proppy technique. And so um, you can see how it would have that effect on her. It's just going to give her a little bit of pep almost in a step. But she says she pulls up really sore from wearing them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, did, where did she get pain? Um, I'm not sure. She just pulls up sore, yeah. <laughs> But I think I think I find that really interesting. And she's a great example of runners. I think this is worth while sharing. Um, she came to me once straight from the airport and she just and she had this book, like it was like a couch to 5k book, like how to run 5k fastest, faster. And this is like in 2010, okay. maybe uh, maybe 10 years after her peak, and she's not running competitively at the stage. She won a silver medal at the Olympics in the 5K and she goes through the airport, goes to the bookstore, sees a book that says how to run 5K faster and decides to read it because she thinks she might pick something up to help her running. Brilliant. And I think, like, what a, um, that's an athlete's mind looking for something all the time, even when they're, they're beyond, um, you know, like, I just thought that was brilliant that she's still looking for something that is still like trying to improve. There might be just like a one percenter in there that could help. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, the yeah. and the love of running that must be there as well, you know, that um, gave her that want to read read something that's just in the airport <laughs> bookshop. You, you, you'll probably be similar to me. Like I, I never had Instagram before I started really my kind of latest physio sort of business with the running stuff and yeah. um, so my whole instagram feed you know the search items was all is almost just like it's andy bryant the foot collective it's it's running <laughs> and you can just see how these trends are coming in and all these new things about which is kind of why i want to do the podcast because one i want yeah. to talk more about running technique and why it's so important but also want to look at the different facets of 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 running and actually life because you know we do nothing in running that we're not doing all the time <laughs> um, that people can think about oh where can i improve one is obviously the feet and that's that's a massive one because you know 90 percent of the people i see yeah i'm like oh god do i have time to talk about this today <laughs> with with the feet and with the problems there and then things like breathing breathing technique uh mm. breathing um co2 tolerance um, and then nutrition and then yeah but you know running technique is is new weirdly you know yeah and you know not not just with regards to to barefoot running no we get i mean i get you know elite runners and they know the drills the classic running abcs and things um and they've and you know drills have been handed down from generation generation coaches but they almost don't know why they're there yeah yeah and they're just doing the same thing that their coach did and now they're coaching yeah. somebody else so actually having running technique coaching is is relatively new and the amount of people that come in that are professional and are coaches and things um it's incredible how not little they know how much more they could know yeah about the mechanics and, and why um yeah you, you'll maybe get some some pushback from people saying oh you don't want to mess with people's running running yeah. is is it's very individual it's like well no it's not <laughs> it is but um, we're all humans and we're all should be generally doing the same thing yeah and it and it is a um gray area like if someone's running and that ain't broke should you fix it do you know what i mean um so it's a it's a fine line isn't it as to whether you um do something about it it depends on whether someone's motivated to do something about it as well exactly. um i think big shoes have accommodated poor running technique for the last 50 years and that's probably why we haven't seen much running technique taught because you've been able to get away with poor technique because of um the technology going into the shoes um, it's helped us get away with it. And orthotics have helped us get away with it as well. Podiatry industry in terms of orthotics really boomed out of the 70s, 60s and 70s running boom mm -hmm. because that's when we started to see to see people running as a, uh, as a pastime rather than as an athlete and yeah. getting injured and having to do something about it. And, and unfortunately, instead of looking at their technique then and us, you know, um, having careers for the last 50 years in technique training, um, it, it 
became more about controlling the foot and doing what the foot, um, you know, and shock absorbing and all this type of stuff. So I think that's why it's been slow to take off. Yeah. I th but I think it's like everything, it's, it's coming because all the, you've got such, such a movement movement happening, yeah. looking at natural movement, what the body should be doing um, and, and the barefoot movement and things, everything's starting to really come together. It's become becoming more mainstream, which is, which is one of those yeah. things. Um, but you know, may even be becoming trendy. Hey, that's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is some really trendy um, runners, running coaches here that are really have got great followings um, for their running, and they teach good things. And you know, things like pose method and chi or key. I don't know what it's called. How do you say that word? Is it chi method? Yeah. Um, and they're very black and white and very prescriptive, mm. but they're creating, they're at least they're creating. Um, and, and so I love some of those cues and I went through them myself, you know, like I was like using myself as a guinea pig and yeah. just trying all these different things and, you know, pulling out with the worst calves ever. Um, and then, and I think they've got really good points, but they're also bringing great awareness that running can be taught and is a skill that um, we need to, that a lot of us need to work on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The hardest thing, it's it's a poor, it, for me, it's almost polarizing, which is why I I try not to push with mm. the barefoot. I mention it. And then if I see that they're well, yeah. interested, then, then we go from there. Because you, like I say, you do get very polarizing um, reactions from, from, think... from experienced runners and from the elites. You're like, you know, I'll just get them to do everything barefoot with me. Yeah. You know, off the mat, working on the barefoot strength and things like that. And then they jump on and then they yeah. rests. And they can wear what they, can wear what they want when they're running. Yeah. And that's okay. Like that's my, that might, like I see natural podiatry and barefoot running as a continuum. And I put far more people in say an, an ultra Escalante than I do in a Vivo or any other minimalist shoe, because most people um, just balk at the idea of not having cushioning. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a good shoe and it's closer to being, uh, to providing a natural function than uh, a chunky heel pitched controlling shoe. So um, there is a continuum of, and if, if that continuum means they're just training their strength, foot strength and going barefoot around home a little bit more often, and that's, then that's going to be like the one percenter for them that might help them with their foot strength, you know, to help them through an injury or to stop them getting injured. Um, so it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, I think um, it's often black and white and polarizing, like you're saying, and it doesn't have to be and nor should it be like there is. Um, and I guess when you're in social media, it's all or nothing really. But when you have someone in front of you, you're not going to tell them to throw all their shoes out and go into a minimalist shoe because they'll just get really sore from it most of the time. So do you, do you get a lot? Because obviously on, on your Instagram, you're Mr. Barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i just have a uh, yeah. yeah do you get do you do you get a lot of unhelpful comments and do you bother with them no. i don't bother I mean, if i get them i don't bother with them unless they're really um like easy to answer i don't want to weigh into something i don't want to start an argument like that mm -hmm. um there's also i know podiatr most podiatrists just think i'm like crazy and they don't even take it in on board but there's a there's a podiatry um podcast from spain and the guy works in the uk and he's got a really big following and so he had me on and he's really um, interested in this natural podiatry and so we had a great chat and just today i got invited to do one a big with a big podiatry continued education um, forum here in australia and i i'd say that would be my most challenging podcast i'll be asked a lot of the quick um the the big questions um but it's, it's pretty easy to answer these questions. Like I answer it every day. This is the thing I don't understand. I mean, there's, there's facets of physio that I, you know, we can answer, you can, you can, you can argue, you can go back and forth, but a lot of the stuff I see with, with what you do, which is, you know, completely separate from, from <laughs> traditional podiatry. Yeah. Sure. You can answer the, the question just like this and say, and they go, Oh, okay. Surely, yeah. I don't understand why, why all podiatrists don't know this. That's right. And then um, I, I know that, it, and the people that are asking the questions are, are still um, using uh, what's it called shockwave therapy for heel pain, which has very limited research. They're still doing dry needling, which has very limited research. 
um, for how these things work for injuries. Um, they, they are, they're still using orthotics, which still has very limited research <laughs> for why it works. Um, they, they're just still doing the same things they were taught because they were taught, you know, it's just that I've gone, okay, that didn't satisfy me. I've, I'm looking for something else. And I found a niche that suits um, the way I live. And, and I have a market for it as well with people that want to see me for it. I'm not asking for everyone to come and see me. And so um, I just think it's interesting how they, they challenge what I'm doing. Yet the, the strength and conditioning um, world has is the most researched world there is really. And I'm just um, borrowing principles from strength and conditioning and applying it to the foot basically. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like where I was, you know, learning all this new stuff about movement and, and running to strength and coordination. And then I was like, why is there nothing for the foot? That's is it is it like an alien piece of the body or what? Is it completely yeah. different? Yeah, and um and I know some of the podiatrists now um that have a big um influence on continued education, they're strength and conditioning coaches. And so they know this stuff, but they don't apply it to the foot. Mm. It just um, blows me away. <laughs> but even, I mean, I think the, the chiropodist, I was a uh, podiatrist, sorry, used to hate being called a chiropodist. <laughs> um, you know, the, a lot of work is with, with, with corns and with, and with nail problems and stuff like that. So when oh, we yeah. back to that as well, surely poor footwear is a massive yeah. for that as well. So yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that's still 60% of my practice, that it's still the corns, calluses, ingrown toenails. And nearly all of it is to do with shoes that are too tight or too stiff mm -hmm. or um, just putting pressure on the foot. I saw a lady yesterday who has some ulcers through diabetes. Um, she's about our age, in her, in her 40s sort of thing. Well, I'm in my 40s. She's in her 40s. I don't know what you are. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so she... Um, she has been to the like traditional podiatrist over and over again, and they're putting her in a wide fitting shoe, but her, her wounds are on the tips of her toes and the wide fitting shoe is wide at the base of the toes and not, not where the wounds are, you know, like it's just like banging your head against the wall. They don't even know this shoe exists. I'd imagine, you know, um, and so, and then, so I find, find that quite frustrating. So diabetes is a really interesting one. If someone has neuro, neuropathic condition in their feet, would you not want to maximize the, the, sensation they do have and maximize their ability to balance and their foot strength like there's some really good research about intrinsic foot strength um stopping your toes clawing and most people with diabetes that have complications on their feet are from um, wounds from rubbing on the toe claw on clawed toes because we um diabetes affects the little muscles in the foot that then start making the toes become clawed and so there's exercise routines to help strengthen those muscles. My argument is, well, the people with diabetes often aren't that motivated, especially for their foot exercises. Let's change their shoe so that their feet are getting some input, both sensory and muscular, mm -hmm. and then they don't need to do their exercises, you know? Like, this is like obvious to me because this is the world I live in, but it's just people are like, no, no, they need cushioning, they need this. And I'm like, okay, they can still have the cushioned one, but let's make it, um, or yeah, so, the world of podiatry um, would be shocked at these viewpoints. I'm really looking forward to doing this podcast with these guys because I've got all my, like, this is, I think it, live it, breathe it. So it's all there. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, when I first started, when I had my first ever movement analysis done by Mike, Mike in London, oh, in Aberdeen, but from the London Running yeah. School, what I absolutely loved about him and what he said, everything was made complete sense. And it was very clear. And it was like, well, this just blows my mind because it just made it almost all the things I'd learned for years through courses and through physio in, in university stuff. It just was like, uh-huh. Just <laughs> brings it all together. And you're like, oh God, that was amazing. Because it makes sense. Now, sure, it's yeah. complicated when you when you get down to it, but it, it just makes complete sense to 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 you think of the body as a whole and and think of it as as naturally moving just yeah and it blows I, continues to blow my mind when people poo poo things like like yeah. what you're what you're doing what the food collectives doing and yeah. uh, and just with you know movement in general better movement in general and how they're like no nope, that's wrong you should do that it's, it's not pro it's not proven it's like well nothing's <laughs> And um, if it's just natural, it shouldn't need to be proven. We should be trying to prove something against that. Yeah. Um, 
Do you know what I mean? And and I think there's also we also all need to have good bullshit meters. You know, meter something that measures. Like, does that sound right, or does that make sense? Is this common sense that this should be the way? Like, there's you know a lot of um, phys, uh, not physio um industry like um phys, uh, what's the strength and conditioning and personal training um like things where you should be doing this and that and like gotra is the one that comes to mind you know where people are all turning their feet out and doing this weird stuff and and i think if someone's trying to sell you something and it's a course and then i I just think you know that's a red flag for me it should should be quite simple it should be about education and not really needing all the tools you know like it shouldn't have to be complicated to move well as a human no exactly yeah yeah um what was I going to say there? Have you heard of that Gota? Yeah. Don't look it up. You're shaking your head. <laughs> I got asked about it about six months ago and I had to look it up. And now it's getting gaining more and more traction. And yeah, it's just like a cult of movers, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll have to look it up. Okay. So, Andy, yeah. um, thank you very much for coming on. What would you say is the most effective way for someone to start looking at their foot health is just literally look at the feet um uh, yeah i think um we've touched on it i would ask people what they wear around home mm -hmm. and if they don't wear if they're not barefoot around home um and people go well it's cold we'll just wear some loose socks that's the same as barefoot really um then start just slowly doing that and seeing how it feels um and that will give you some um, measure of how how fun well functioning your feet are like how how do they do without all the trappings you know like how do they do just on their own yeah and in summer well same as here is maybe not in scotland but get outside just go yeah. on on grass and it's amazing how many people on on not perfectly uh, manicured lawns how they freak out about being barefoot that's right i i my clinic used to be 200 meters from the supermarket in, in, in Scotland. And so I was barefoot in the clinic. I was like, I'll oh, just, just pop the supermarket and grab some food. And yeah. I sometimes go barefoot. And you might, there's people and children, they're like, man, I got shoes on. <laughs> and for me, it's weird that it's so weird. Yeah, I think it's weird. I, I laugh because at the moment, um, we've still got to wear masks into the supermarket. Yeah. And I go barefoot into the supermarket with a hat because I've been out in the sun and a mask on and bare feet. And I just feel the whole thing just really is a bit weird. <laughs> but anyway, um, and I also used to walk my kids to school when they still needed to be walked to school with me. And I'd walk them barefoot. And the amount of other kids that'd be like, why don't you have shoes on? Why don't you have shoes on? And just like three-year-olds saying that, that it's normal for people for them to think, people should have shoes on um but that all said it needs to be done very gently like if it is uncomfortable then five minutes like I, I have people prescribed five minutes extra every week so five minutes a day for the first week 10 minutes a day for the second week to be barefoot at home because they get out of bed and they put their foot straight into a shoe and they take the shoe off when they go to the shower and when they get back into bed and that's it so um it really, I think that's the most basic measure, like how well you go barefoot and what it does, how it makes you feel and how your feet feel. Um, otherwise, you know, there's lots of other little things, tricks and things that you can play around with. But, um, you know, some people have the most functional feet and they can't wiggle their toes. And some people can wiggle their toes amazingly and they don't have functional feet. So I don't like to like broad spectrum it like that, you know? Yeah, be, be, be barefoot, see how it feels. And yeah. And, um, and take it from yeah. there. But I, I recommend to everybody, even if you you don't, if you want me to stop talking about it right now, yeah, just have a look. Do a few tests. You know, let's do a few calf rate. You can do a few calf, calf raises. Check your ankle mobility. What can you do with your toes? Can you get your fingers between your toes? You know, very simple things. Just have a play around. Just play around with your yeah. feet. People often don't even want to touch their feet. Almost like they don't yeah. want to touch that they even exist. <laughs> and and as for runners, um, if at, the, at a bare minimum, I'd be asking runners to be without um, chunky shoes the rest of the time. Yeah. Like that, that's such a, a powerful thing to do, like their day-to-day -day shoe to be a minimalist shoe and they might have to work into that. And then um, once a week or a fortnight, run on a nice manicured oval, um, do your technique work, you know, your easy run, your easy strides on a Sunday afternoon or whenever, do it barefoot and just make sure you're checking in mm -hmm. with 
what that feels like and then taking that away to where to what you wear the rest of the time like that's um it would be so easy to do and so beneficial to any training program i think exactly and some people are yeah. afraid of uh, of injury when doing that and to those people i say that should not be injuring you <laughs> that's right if you're an athlete if you want to be a runner if you're scared of running barefoot because you're going to injure yourself then yeah maybe you, bet you get a little bit of advice <laughs> or, or, or yeah. maybe don't even advice just build up to it yeah it's yeah, that's right yeah a lot of time it's just simply building building a bit of resilience back into feet that's that's sadly gone from yeah 30 40 years of of, of wearing shoes yeah it doesn't we don't have to be throwing it all out throwing the baby out with the bathwater. it's it's about just being sensible about it and like what makes sense let's 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 impose put that into the equation and see what happens you know and, and realizing um that you could this is an area for improvement for genuine improvement um yeah. and i i would say that the, the hardest thing for people to re, to understand or realize is that the foot is incredibly resilient incredibly strong and can take a whole lot of crap you know like i said with this guy i talked about um, years ago you know his foot was the problem like his foot was the the real the sticking point of this whole therapy of trying to get him to move better yeah feel any problems with his foot what he felt was i think it was back pain that we initially started with and um, but he'd had knee pain as well and it was the yeah. that was causing everything because it, it couldn't get into the position for his knee and the hip and then lower back to be happy yeah i call it asymptomatic dysfunction there's no way some people can be functioning well but then they don't have symptoms so yeah. and i think there's an epidemic of asymptomatic dysfunction exactly and yeah. many physios would say well don't change it if he's not injured don't yeah. change it. well true but you know why not try and improve because yeah. further down the line that could be you know for, yeah. I was asymptomatic. I broke my ankle. They found out I broke my ankle when I was about 19. And I'd had many, many ankle uh, inversion injuries, just over two years. And then I did my physio, personally. And then for 15 years, I not an ankle problem at all. Yeah. Until I had pain. Yeah. And then I had three years of pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. I was like, man, I wish I'd known that because I was yeah. I was known as being slow all of a sudden from when I was about twenty. I like, just suddenly got very slow. Not that. And maybe it, it maybe like a one percent change each year or a two percent change, like just working on something a little bit every year for those fifteen years, and suddenly you get to a point where you're far more functional. You know, like it doesn't have to be like yeah. I, you're, you run like this and now you run like this. It's yeah. just like these very gradual changes, like with anything, just being sensible about it. Exactly. One percent better every day because some days yeah. you're percent worse. That's why I say. <laughs> That's right. Wake up and you're oh God. <laughs> Good. Okay. So Andy, thank okay. you very much. Great to see you. Pleasure. Nice to chat to you and um, you know, get to know you a bit better. It's been good. So um, have a good evening. I will have a great day at work. Um, it's sunny in Austria. Hopefully, oh, it's summer with you, so it must be lovely and warm. Yeah. It just got dark now at nine ish. Nine ish. So yeah. Great. So. Have a great evening. Thanks very much for that, Andy. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll chat again soon. And hope, hope the other podcast with the, with the head honchos goes well. <laughs> Fingers crossed. See you later. Thank you. Cheers, man. Bye. Thanks again to Andy for coming on the podcast. I hope that that was an interesting insight into looking after and improving foot and ankle function as it relates to running. Now, foot health, going barefoot, etc., is often a polarizing subject. And while many have extreme views one way or the other, what I'm trying to get across is that it's not about being in one camp or the other, uh, barefoot or, or heel strike or forefoot. It's about taking the knowledge that you can and you should and to restore your and strengthen and look after your feet to improve your running. It can be a bit of a blind spot for many people and thus a massive area for improvement. The best thing is it's relatively easy to do. It just takes a bit of consistency. I work with runners of every age and ability every day. And the big part of the puzzle for many of these people to reach the next level of performance or to stop getting injured 
is in fact a lack of strength, mobility, and therefore spring in the lower leg and foot. Why I joined the Foot Collective uh, back in 2019 was to learn more, get a better framework for restoring the feet, um, the arches, and alignment. Not because I, I, I had any illusions that the barefoot is best, but because I saw every day the issues with the feet, the ankles, that traditional therapy just doesn't really fix. All it does is hides or shifts the problem somewhere else. Um, so I hope this episode maybe shifts your mindset a little bit and perhaps you think about getting out of your shoes a little bit more, try to strengthen what you have and not rely solely, no pun intended, on your shoes or orthotics for stability and cushioning. So thanks for joining me again. Please like, share and subscribe to keep up to date with our next episode. Bye for now.